I think of it this way is like sometimes we overcomplicate things. If you're sometimes we think, oh, if I only get a new pair of shoes, I'll actually go to the gym. I need a new kit for my workout and then I'll go to the gym. And it's just a lie. Just show up and sweat. And I think that you don't need a new Bible. You don't like you just need to quiet your soul in the presence of God and the goodness of his word, both by yourself, with the gathered saints, and with some people who can help you walk that out. Welcome to Keystone Conversations, our podcast on the topics and issues important to the Keystone family. Our hope is to give you insight, wisdom, and resources as you press on to know and follow Jesus. I'm Randy Woodbury, Executive Pastor here at Keystone. And I am Brent Minter, the Lead Pastor at Keystone. And Pastor Brent, uh, you're rejoicing with me. Uh, Our focus on our conversation today is a recent event we had. Um, We had some men's equip. We had the auditorium filled with men. Uh, seeking out how to pursue mature manhood. And it was just an encouragement to see everyone leaning in, asking great questions. We had four of our elders up there speaking to them. But as with any event like that, the amount of material to cover and the time we have, there's always going to be more ways we can go. So you and I had the idea that why don't we just talk more about it? I love it. You know, what a joy that we can have um, a panel full of guys and some of our elders they do not come to a church office. They right. don't teach the Bible for a living. They go to work. And right. So just the beauty of having lay and staff elders and being able to speak into those moments. But yeah, being a man who wants to follow Jesus, the list of questions is long. And uh, it's impossible to solve all those. But man, it's going to be fun today to take a shot at some of those questions that really are... By the way, this isn't just for men. Right. I, I mean, maybe there's some specific for men... But we know this is men, um, and hopefully not just the men listening today, but also females can uh, get some of these questions that you know aren't necessarily addressed when we're talking about sacrifices in right. Hebrews, but man, <laughs> do we need them as we follow after Jesus. And so we're going to make sure to, to link some resources for you on this that would be interesting in that. We're going to have the core article from Desiring God that we used in our Equip event, and that goes over nine attributes of real manhood. There's also a chart that we put together to help you dig through each of those attributes. What does immaturity look like? What does maturity look like? And uh, we spent a good hour on our Q&A on Sunday, but we are going to spend even more time today. And Brent, uh, you had a good way to put it in this. You are a father, you're a husband, you're in career. Um, you have words of wisdom and encouragement for our men today, and we're going to basically make this like a Ask Brent Anything <laughs> section. So There's not a lot of prep. We are going to kind of come off the cuff, but... I've spent my life trying to do these things, and I've also pastored men, you know, for a lot of years. And so, man, it's a new day, but it's the same things. And so we've been dealing with our whole lives. And so hopefully uh, we can give some uh, some help and some wisdom as we try to pursue Jesus in the, in the calling he's given us. So we're going to jump right in. Some of these are actually questions that we didn't get a chance to do to on Sunday. Some of these are questions that we thought up as well. So we're just going to jump right in in our first category Pastor Brent, spiritual disciplines, some great questions on Sunday from, I would say, two different archetypes, if you'd like to talk about. One, uh, a man who just recently came to faith is just learning about spiritual disciplines. And second, maybe someone who's been around the faith for a while has maybe lapsed a little bit in their disciplines. And each of them looking for, what are some tips to get on that horse, to start that process, to start that path? Randy, I this is an area I'm passionate about, and holy cow, we could talk for days that's right each of these because there's a lot of both historical spiritual disciplines and 
modern ways to think about that. I think of books like uh, Richard Foster's Celebration of Discipline. Oh, good one. John Ortberg, The Life You've Always Wanted. I mean, there's the, the, the Christian classics, as it were, talk about these things. So there's so much here. And so to make it short, if I was going to answer for the new believer, um, I would say let's not get too complicated. I'm thinking of three things. Um, man, it could be more. Oh, yeah. I love lists. Lists are good. Okay. <laughs> you're, a, you're a recovering fundamentalist. Of course you love lists. I, number one and priority is you have got to find a time to get in God's Word. And um, listen, if you're new to the faith, that might be a verse. If you're older in the faith, that could be a chapter or that could be the Bible in a year. I don't care. Right. But a place where you are quiet and it's not you... Um, like it's not just us trying to figure out the text, but like the, letting the text get in your soul mm. and transform your mind. Um, not for knowledge, man, we want to get knowledge. Sure. But man, letting the scripture. And so there's so many ways to do that, Randy. One of the ways that we try to push at Keystone is the daily road. We can You can actually go to keystonelife.com slash daily road, and we give you the method. We also give you some... Um, reading plans, uh, both from incredibly practical to getting a little less practical. But if you're not in God's Word, um, you've got to start there. Because how in the world are you going to follow something you don't know? There's some, and let me just echo that. The reading plans are phenomenal. There's topical, there's seasonal, there's different lengths. Those have been so valuable to help people have a yeah. clear path of how to jump yeah. in. What a great reminder. It is. And um, I'm going to give you the second and third discipline. And both of them are around gathering, the large group gathering. I, I cannot fathom in my own spiritual walk um, just going every three weeks gathering and hearing God's word. Mm. Listen, this is not about church attendance. I don't care. But what I care about is that every seven days, I'm going to have a recentering moment where the gospel is preached to me. I'm hearing truth, and I'm going to be forced to focus on my problems or praise God. Right. right. That discipline over a lifetime. I We often talk about church attendance. It's not about church attendance. Right. It's about gathering and be reminded of the gospel, reminded that who is in charge. I need that right. in my own soul. And if I'm a pastor who's paid to preach and I still need that, I can't fathom if you work in a secular job and you're not like almost just cr crawling to the finish line on a Sunday to remember to remember. That. So the large group gathering, but also the small group gathering. Do you have guys in your life that uh, will challenge you? Right. Iron sharpening Survival. iron. They know you. And so we do that in connection groups. Connection groups as a program solves nothing, but you showing up to connection group, you being invested, you opening your life, you bringing someone else into the struggles of your life, that is invaluable. So are there people around you who love you, will call you, on your crap, who will tell you we think you're being materialistic, who will say we're praying with you because we know this is a hard season. Those three disciplines, um, the impact, the ROI over time is incredible. And listen, there's some other incredible ones, but you said what's beginning. But right. I would say this, Randy, they don't change the more mature you get. Correct. Um, for me, reading the Bible, if you're stagnant, you need to know this. Every three to six months— the way I engage God's word radically changes because I get bored. 
I get exhausted with a certain genre. I'm tired of dis, of journaling. That's not working for me anymore. So I will read devotionals mm-hmm. and then jump in God's Word. Sometimes I need to listen to God's Word before I do it. So for me, it's constantly changing the recipe so that, this is so important, my heart still seeks God's Word. Because if so it becomes good. rote, you'll quit. Right. If it's just a, if it's a lifeless habit, you'll quit because why would you? But if you can do everything in your life to prioritize uh, affection for God's Word, and man, sometimes that really requires you to stir your soul. But that would be what I say. You reminded me of a good analogy and see if you'd agree with this. Um, because a cynic, I'm going I'm to represent all you cynics out there right now in our conversation. You just told me to go to church, read my Bible, and go to small group. And, my, and our answer to that is yes. That's, that's exactly what we said, but here's, here's why. Uh, we just spent, uh, we're coming out of, I'm a be, I used to be a huge baseball fan, and they just finished spring training. And you know what they do day one of spring training? They go back to bunting, ground balls. These, these are guys that get paid $30, $40, $50 million a year. And they to, go to batting practice. And they go to batting stop. practice. Just because they have to get back. When things get complicated, mm. when things get stressed, you go back to the basics. Listen, Randy, my flesh is strong enough. This culture is winsome enough to get me off topic. Mm-hmm. And so I, it's basics. Yeah. And I'm sorry. Like, And as you get mature in your faith, you actually get more mature in your doctrine and your understanding. Sure. So that happens over time. But... Um, it's a great help. It's a great. There's a leverage effect that we just can't under under uh, yeah. estimate. I honor. think of it this way: is like sometimes we overcomplicate things. If you're, um, sometimes we think, oh, if I only get a new pair of shoes, I'll actually go to the gym. <laughs> Been there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I need to buy a workout. Like I, I need look new, good. I need to. I need a new kit for my workout, and yep. then I'll go to the gym. And it's just a lie. Just show up and sweat. And I think that you don't need a new Bible. You don't like you just need to quiet your soul in the presence of God and the goodness of his word both by yourself with the gathered saints and with some people who can help you walk that out. Such a great encouragement cuz you can you can make changes to that today. There's nothing else that needs to be done. Just take some time and do that today. Let's move on to another topic that was key on a lot of people's minds. Um, and this is general role as father, role as husband. We'll get into a couple um, aspects of that. But first Brent in general um, You've seen a lot of the world. You, you deal with people a lot. You deal with conflict a lot. Um, talk to me about what's the biggest lie you think secular culture is telling men regarding their role as father or their role as husband. Yeah, there's so much there, Randy. I Just taking a shot at it from the very beginning, uh, just off the cu- cuff, would, I would say this. It's either... The lie from our culture is you need to be too soft or to be too hard. Oh, interesting. So if you watch any sitcom on TV, there's going to be a blundering idiot dad that is good for nothing. <laughs> um, or it's gonna, there's going to be, there's a, a temptation for men to passively live in their families and let their kids' schedules. That's a temptation for men right. to just unplug I'll go to the office where I'm respected, and at home I'll just unplug. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. that is a lie. Mm-hmm. That is the, the scripture knows nothing of a passive father. Right. At the same time, there's actually emerging, especially among Gen Z, there's a a reemergent of masculinity that is um, harsh. It is too much, and the reality for us as Christ followers is. If you're not willing to stand against truth, if you're not willing to protect your family, that's wrong. Um, 
But if you just uh, abdicate your role in your family, that's wrong. And so it actually takes wisdom. Yes. Because there's moments where you need to walk into your family and not be the man who says, we're doing it this way, but you need to get and stink and change some diapers for the glory of God. Yep. Okay? Yep. And then there's some areas in your family's life that it's wrong. Mm-hmm. Okay? And you need to step in and in a servant-hearted, set an example, even if some people get mad at you, you need to lead it. And both of those things exist. I think that what I see a lot of men do is, is they get really convicted of their passivity mm-hmm. and they rush to a harsh leadership and their wives are like, you've been checked out for five years and you want to lead now? Right. Harsh course correct. Harsh course. And I understand the heart, but the wisdom is out the window. Right. Like Jesus showed up with a towel and a basin. There you go. Okay. So, but he also stood up to the Pharisees. Mm -hmm. So he modeled this, but I think that we can't be passive. We cannot check out on our families. That is wrong as it can be, but we cannot also lord it and be some ridiculously stern, I'm the man, follow me. The middle, the truth is we got to stay right in the middle, so humble, serving our families. And listen, I don't get that right all the time. Um, ask my wife, ask my kids. But when I get it wrong, by God's grace, I want to be the first to apologize. Um, I would love to have an opportunity here. I could say, oh, speaking of calling in from Ankeny, Carrie Minter on the phone. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Listen, fun. we're all, if you're a man, you're going to mess that up. And if you're a woman, you're going to mess that up. Right. So this is, uh, um, I had someone once told me, said one of the biggest things you need to learn to do as a father and a husband is say, I was wrong, will you forgive me? Yeah, that's a great reminder. In fact, two things that, that reminds us of our event is that there's our, our panel reminded us men that, and, and you've taught us this many times, it's just general conflict resolution, resolution within the church. Whatever is the 2%, the 10%, the 20% you need to own, the 80%, own it. Own it. Doesn't matter what percentage it is, own your percentage. Mm. That will change the entire conversation. Yeah. We also had a good uh, conversation, which is so interesting as you speak to that. We kind of define toxic masculinity. Yeah. And what we called it for that is if you go to the chart that we'll link in our resources, it's the immaturity column of all those things. It's not being in your word. It's being passive or too aggressive. It's not standing up. You know, there's there's a list of things that are all things you can focus on that has very little to do with culture. It's how you respond to it, how you deal with it, how you train yourself in it. Yeah, and I think our posture needs to be, God, what are you calling me to? And I'm telling you by the the Spirit of God and sometimes is going to have you rush in and bring truth to a situation, mm-hmm. and sometimes the Spirit of God is going to have you rush in and serve. And so we have to have a posture of willingness to follow the Lord instead of just our natural default oh, settings. Great point. Great words. Let's go to a, a little different area of, of this is being a husband and um, just to, this isn't a warning for those listening. If you have kids around, I don't believe we'll get into anything that would be uncomfortable here, but we want, we want to press into a couple areas that definitely were bubbled up in this. Yeah. And the first would be, um, in our culture today, and we've talked about it, it's, it's a different culture, dating expectations, uh, the hookup culture. Many people are coming to their marriages, their relationships with a past sexual history uh, that is in many times causing guilt to themselves mm. as they try to live out in faith their new relationship, as you've counseled and dealt with people, um, what are some of the um, encouragement you can give our men that they're dealing with guilt of their past sexual history? It's very complicated Mm. because... um, Which is a good word right there because we want to get people to breathe. The fact that you feel complicated in it, 
That's, yeah. that's normal. It is. The first thing is this, is that one of the reasons it gets complicated because it doesn't get talked about, because usually when there's sexual sin, mm-hmm. there is unbelievable amounts of shame, and when there's shame, we hide. Right. So um, the reality is when we do mess up, um, it's a sin. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's a lot of sins, but this it's quiet. We beat ourselves up, and we suffer in silence. And so I... Um, there's a lot of mistakes that have been made by uh, me, by people in our church, by right, you. Like, right. there, this is not an area where like there's ten percent of our congregation have messed up in this area. There's mm-hmm. a like it's a vast majority, vast majority, or a hundred percent, right? So we're um, because Jesus like calls out like if you just lusted, and so I don't know a guy who hasn't ever lusted. So Correct. we're all in this category together. Mm-hmm. Get away from isolation. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, you really have to believe. I, this is too simple, but it's also true. Do you believe the gospel? Mm-hmm. I, I think of it in this way. Um, the apostle Peter um, denied Christ. Um, he actually was swayed by the Judaizers that maybe circumcision had more importance than it was. Like, this brother has messed up doctrine in the church. Right. Okay, so everyone can... Not a small little thing. Not a small thing. And the grace of God met him where it's at, and actually Jesus met met him at a, over a fire cooking him breakfast in John mm-hmm. 21. And I just think that we have to believe that the gospel can jump into our sexual past as well, because what happened with Peter is that once he was restored by Jesus, he can move in freedom. But if you don't ever bring that shame, that guilt, those mistakes to the foot of the cross, it's if you just keep hiding it in shame, you're never going to feel like you can be restored because you always feel like this is my dirt, my dark, dirty closet over yep. here. And so um, my answer to that is, is either the gospel is good enough to forgive people of sin or it's not. Exactly right. And we've got to bring our sex into that category. Mm-hmm. And, my, and what I would say, honestly, is we act, of course we need to bring our sexual past, our sexual guilt into that situation and just be reminded of what the gospel says. Great word. and Great word on forgiveness and grace. And there, there's not, that's not an unpardonable sin. And sometimes it feels that way. Yeah. Um, it feels that way because we break our, our desires between us and God. Mm-hmm. We've broken relationships or covenants that we have with people. And so it's complicated, but the gospel is still our hope. Let's have one more area of this in terms of husbands and marriage that has been a topic that me have brought up. Um, they are bombarded with sexual imagery, um, temptation. The, our culture and sex and a secular concept are, are intertwined. Yeah. And so a lot of our men are looking for guidance. What is acceptable in terms of intimacy with my wife, what's off limits? How do I even know where to start on that? Because many of them, because of past sexual history, are then how do I bring this back into the oneness of my marriage? Yeah. Again, wow. <laughs> um, I'm gonna I'm gonna wade into that pool before I answer that question in a way that I think I would love our men to think about that. Great. Um, I always say this in premarital counseling: sex is a barometer. Mm-hmm. So. If in your marriage, sex is not where you think it should be, okay, a barometer in weather says, hey, there's changing of the weather, okay? So sex is a barometer. If you wake up and you go, I don't feel 
like we're on the same page sexually. That is a cue inside of my soul to look at the strength of our marriage and not our bed. Exactly, great point. Okay, so if sex isn't fluid and sex is hard or it's not a priority Mm -hmm. in our marriage, I'm gonna look and go, as the leader of this household, is there something wrong in our marriage? Are we not communicating? Are we not connecting? Is there not emotional connect? I'm gonna look at those things. Is there unforgiveness? Are we harboring bitterness? All those things. Because a lot of time, dudes just want sex, right. and they're unwilling to tend the relationship. Right. So this is really important. So, of course, there's seasons where nothing's wrong with a relationship, but there's someone's dealing with illness, mm-hmm. or there's a super busy season, right. or uh, a mom just had a child. These yeah. are seasons where there's nothing wrong with a the relationship. There's just real constraints that make sex harder, okay? Mm-hmm. So that's one thing. My, I just want to encourage our guys, if sex is important to you, make sure your relationship is more important because sex is downstream of a solid relationship. Right. And so that's my strongest encouragement. And then you go beyond that of what is, um, you know, what's off limits? Mm -hmm. What should be? I I, I always say this because every couple's different. They always ask what, how much it, like, Frequency is an often question. Sure. I would just say it should be natural and normal in your in your marriage. Mm-hmm. If sex is like a surprise and it's like, oh, once every we might have it, I think that it should become more of a priority. Um, and then, but beyond that, a big fear I have is that a lot of guys are asking that question not out of what's best for their marriage, but because out of what they've been exposed to outside of yes. their marriage. Yes, The need, like the pandemic of porn, mm-hmm. the pandemic of uh, erotic material has set some course that um, I think a lot of guys have expectations and desires. Exactly what I was thinking. And here's my thing. If you and your wife are both joyful in it, there's a lot of freedom. Yep. I'm not making rules. No. Um, but if you're a reality is, brother, if you're trying to play the head of the household and this is what I desire, you're in sin. Yes. Don't you dare put your fleshy desires and then masquerade it as spiritual household leadership. Right. Your job is to serve your wife, and that's serving the relationship. And that is, man, unpacking every good gift of sex in your bed that you possibly can, that you are both mutually going after. But if her pleasure and what she wants is not at the front of your mind, you need to check yourself. That's right. That's right. And then what you guys do in your mutual love, I don't, we, we don't have to talk about that today. About, right. Like, we're not going to go to the list of what's possible and what's not. But things that, things that jump out, one, that means that's an active part of your communication with your spouse. This yes. isn't done in isolation. This isn't off limits. That has to be, I know that you're going to laugh at this, but you should be able to freely talk about your budget as well as your sex life in equal parts because yes. you are a oneness in that and what you do. Second, and just to reiterate what, what Brent said on selfishness, many times when we're counseling men, it is out their selfish desires. They're trying to get something in so that they can tell their wife this. Servant leadership does not stop at the bedroom door. Yeah, that is. You're serving. You're sacrificing your life. You're dying, willing to die for your wife in all aspects. 
That's what Christ did for the church. Yeah. That's our model. And yeah. that is a part of your life that is just as much part of that as everything else. And if you dive into those relationships where there is a um, Berlin wall in the bedroom, mm-hmm. I guarantee you nine times out of 10, it is a wife who's felt taken advantage of right. and a husband who wants more. There you go. And so what do you, what marriage do you want to live? One where your wife knows you care about her and her pleasure and her desires and what's good for her? Or one where for the last 10 years, you forced what you want? That's right. You get to decide yeah. what bed you're waking up in. So good, so good. We could spend hours on that and someday we might. Let's yeah. move on. A couple other things. Uh, Brent, this is an interesting one. I know this is passionate in your heart. We had a great question um, out of Colossians 3.8 regarding obscene talk. What should I think about as a follower of Jesus in terms of swearing? Should I abstain from it? Is that a legitimate thing? It, help me understand the words and swearing in a, as a mature man. Yeah. Um, I. So we stay in awe of God's word. Amen. Like, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up. That, uh, uh, building others up. Man, this is where the CSB and my old ESV <laughs> memorization. Just, so that it may benefit those who listen, right? There you go. Um, I... I cannot fathom an understanding of the New Testament that doesn't put a rein on your tongue in anger. So a lot of swearing comes from anger. A lot of swearing comes from an undisciplined tongue. Insecurity. Um, Insecurity. I get around the certain guys and I want to look cool Mm -hmm. um, or I want to join that vernacular. And um, so I just... I actually have wanted an opera. I wish that I could preach a text, that there was a text that I could press harder into our men than this because I'm confident that there's men when they're in their connection group and they're in the house of God, <laughs> they're on a Sunday morning and they're praising and then they do business deals and there's words coming out of their mouth that has nothing to do with Jesus. Uh, brother, I can tell you my own experience. I, I struggled with this in my job. Yeah, you, I worked on a trade desk where I'm dealing with brokers from New York and telling them, gosh darn, that just ain't right, doesn't really do it. And I fell, I took a bad path of that. Yeah. I let my tongue get unbridled for what I thought was legitimate reasons. Yeah, That's not, that's just because I was lazy. Yeah, I didn't want to work hard to find different ways to express my displeasure. I mean, these were legitimate things I had to express displeasure. Yeah, But I was too lazy to try to find a better way to do it. Yeah, I, I think that some men need to be rebuked in their tongue. And I don't have a path for let me just figure out like how how read the Proverbs. Right. Read James. Mm-hmm. The tongue, how could we worship God and then curse man? And so I think um that's not just the foul language that comes out of your mouth, it's also the gossip. It's also there's a million other things that we can go with that. And it's culturally still specific. You know, we're trying to give you a general principle here, but I think also a helpful principle as you, as you think through this, as you bring this before God. Anything that God declares as holy, including his own name, that's, there's, there's not a debate there. Yeah. He clearly says, don't do that. Yeah. And so if, if you want somewhere to start, yeah. that, that's a good, and you can go from there. And again, we're not going to publish a list of do's and don'ts. That's not how we roll. Yeah. But in your own heart, you need to start filtering that through the Word of God and seeing what's Yeah, I, I mean, I think the, the number one test is, does your language change depending upon the room you're in? Mm. So I, if that happens, then you're not, like, that's weird. Yeah. Like, no one likes a two-faced person. It's and I'm not duplicity. calling you a hypocrite. I'm just saying, brother, be the same. Yep. Sister, be the same in this room as in that room. And your character will carry 
everything. Um, a lot of times we want we want our mouth to work because it it might accomplish something. If I'm using this words, it'll get people's attentions. It'll get the. I just think it short circuits, and I I think your testimony is in question when that happens, whether you realize it or not. Good words. As we go to our end here, Pastor Brent, let's let's do one more question, and this is a, a, a fascinating one that we got asked a lot. The, the concept of balance. I have so many roles. I have so many responsibilities. I'm trying to do them all well. I'm trying to be faithful to all of them. But every time I, I lean into one, I feel like maybe something else suffers, or I want to be appropriate in my church life, but what about all of my other priorities? Uh, I know you have some words of wisdom of how to help our men through this constant battle of balance. Yeah. Man, I wish it could be true, but here's what I think. Balance is a lie. It, it's a lie. And if you try to make sure that everything is balanced, you're going to go insane. Mm-hmm. So does that mean that things aren't important? No. I, um, there was a, the, the president of uh, DTS, Dallas Theological Seminary, one time I was in a smaller group, and he told this story. He had freshmen coming into DTS, and he looked at him as the president of the seminary, and he said, uh, seminary is where pastors go to school to get theological education. And he looked at them and said, um, you would think he's the president of the university. Right. You'd think this is, he's going to be like, study, show mm-hmm. yourself approved. This is what the apostle Paul says. Here's what he told him. He said, listen, if some of you get straight A's, you're not being faithful to Jesus. Wow. It's like, because there's some of you God's called a pastor to be a husband and a father and a student, and you cannot get straight A's in Greek and do the other two faithfully. Mm. And so for me, life is about responsibility. It's not about balance. And there are seasons, if you got little babies at home, I might not have, I might not win the biggest bonus if I got a baby at home. Yep. And that honors the Lord Jesus. There's seasons where work is, it's a season. We're walking to that season. That's right. The building's coming. Yeah. Um, And so that's not going to be in balance. Mm -hmm. But you know what? My family knows that, and I'm responsible enough to actually have my calendar booked out long enough ahead of that right? and to know where I need to invest and my family know those things. And you know what? Um, there might be some a few weeks there in July when we're moving into a new building where my life will not be balanced. Right. Can't. Yeah. Here's really important. This is so important. Um, when that's true— Carrie's never going to have to wonder if the church is more important. Mm-hmm. So one time a guy told me, he's like, listen, there's seasons in your life where you're going to have some serious work projects. He said, what I do with my wife is I make sure that when I have the relationship with her so that when work or a book, like he was an author, when I have to write a book, when I'm starting something, I look at my wife and say, the next three months are going to be hard. Right. Okay. But what she knows is, is when that three months is over, my identity isn't that. My identity is her, and mm-hmm. I'm going to be home. Mm-hmm. And so that's a thing that me and Carrie have always tried to press into. In different seasons, there's been seasons where I knew a big projects were coming, and we took a weekend or we took a date and said, hey, this is the we're about to start this. It's going to be a hard next three months, and we're going to weather that through that. And so family, work, all of those at different times are going to rise and they're going to fall. And there's some seasons at work that you actually can take a break. 
You can breathe a little bit and focus on your family. And you just have to be mature, responsible enough to take all those things that God's stewarding you to ask. It'll never be in balance. And I would say this, it shouldn't. Your, your work should, should not always be at the same pace as your family. Right. Shouldn't be balanced, mm-hmm. right? And so you got to balance those responsibilities. And I think the first step is this, is realizing it's never going to be a fully balanced life. It, but you can be fully responsible and responsive to God in what He's calling you to steward in that season. I think it's. I think you'd agree with this, but correct me if not. The thing is, also realize is not all your priorities are equal. When you look at what God's asked you to do, your relationship with our Holy God is primary. Yep. That doesn't mean first of equals. That means primary. Yep. Then your role as a as a husband, I yep. would argue, covenant relationship, and then you're making some hard decisions. And I, there is a humility in that because you're going to have to make those decisions in times. Yeah. But it's because you're doing it out of faithfulness to your, to your obligations. So be careful you don't rank things that don't have that type of covenant or eternal yeah. relationship. Can I just say this, and this is probably for another podcast, mm-hmm. but in today's world, I, I'm not, this is, these are thoughts I'm having, um, is what is my priority Number one is the Lord. Yep. Number two is my family. Number yep. three is the church. And number four is my career. Yeah. And what, I, what you're going to be pushed to do is try to be excellent in all of those at all times, yeah. and that's burnout. Yeah, but I also would say this. Historically, the church was embedded in a lot of people's priorities. Mm. I don't think it's the same one. No. And I'm not talking about church attendance. I'm talking about desire to serve the church, to raise up disciples, to right. like that level of responsibility. I think that is one that is sliding off people's priorities and it ought not be. Good work, good work. Well, Pastor Brett, thank you. That's a, what a great follow-up to what we did there. Um, as you, uh, everyone who, who's been part of the conversation today, look to keystonelife.com. Our resources are there, the equip events there, the article we referred to as well as a great chart. But thanks so much for being part of our conversation today. If you'd like to know about more about Keystone Church in general or listen to any of our sermons or other Keystone conversations, please go to keystonelife.com. Until next time, keep the conversation going.